This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those cameras up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Curated by Kohl's latest collection is now available in select stores and at Kohl's.com. For a limited time, shop unexpected new favorites like reusable drinkware from Corksicle and fun arts and crafts from UV. Warmies heatable plush toys are perfect for little ones. Homesick handcrafted candles are a great gift to make anyone feel at home. And who doesn't love sweet treats from Candy Club? Shop curated by Kohl's for these digital need-to-know brands and more. Tap the banner now or visit Kohl's.com. Hey, Wing Nation, Aaron Evernham. I'm here with David Gravel. We're going to talk career, life on the road, you name it. So, David, how does a kid who grew up in Connecticut end up on the World of Outlaw Tour? Um, I started off in quarter midgets uh, in Silver City Quarter Midget Club and uh, went on from there to micros and actually legend cars. And uh, we tried both out and just fell in love with the micro sprint that we ran in Massachusetts at Whip City. And uh, started racing there, doing pretty well, and then got more serious and started traveling to Pennsylvania and racing against those guys. And was able to see my first sprint car race uh, when I was like 13 or 14 and uh, really loved them. Uh, Got our first sprint car in 2007, I believe. I think I was 15 and uh, raced a series called URC. And uh, from there on out, we did URC for a year and then the All-Stars and uh, was able to do the Outlaw Tour kind of with Bill Rose. And, uh, you know, pretty much now here I am. So growing up in Connecticut, um, how did you get into racing? Did you play other sports? How how did your family get you into quarter midgets? Uh, I love sports. I played soccer, basketball and football and only soccer when I was little, but um played freshman football and stuff like that but my dad owns a body shop been surrounded by cars my whole life and um just uh he showed me a picture one day of a quarter midget and was like hey do you want to race and i said yes and the car was fifteen hundred dollars and my dad couldn't afford it and we had to make payments on it and we had a little tiny itty bitty trailer and uh just started from there. My dad started his business uh, not too, too uh, long before that. So he was just getting started and uh, just branched off from there. Yeah, I raced quarter midgets too growing up. And uh, I feel like looking back on my childhood, it was some of my best memories. I had I made friends all over the country and, and raced on the weekends. But talk about just quarter midget racing in, in that time in your life. Yeah, definitely the best years. Um, so family-oriented. You get a couple families from your local track, and uh, you play football, wiffle ball, uh, <laughs> play video games, you know, do whatever. Like, we had more fun, honestly, off the track than we did on the track. We just 
uh, we're six, seven, eight years old, didn't know what the heck was going on. We were just having <laughs> fun with having fun with kids, and uh, we had really good memories. We traveled everywhere to Prim, Nevada, to Sacramento, to Portland, Oregon. Like so, we went a lot of places, quarter midget racing, and uh, met a lot of cool people. And honestly, uh, nowadays, a lot of people I race quarter midgets with, uh, I see uh, racing sprint cars uh, out, out, you know, in California or wherever or the Midwest. So it's uh, definitely the best times of our life as a kid, and uh, happy we were able to do it. You had a lot of success in quarter midgets. Did that come quickly? Did you have to really work at it? And were you involved in working on the cars then? I wouldn't say I was really involved. We kind of had like a quote-unquote crew chief who was like my uncle, and uh, <laughs> he did a lot of the work. My dad didn't really know how to uh, to work on the cars either. He was so busy with work, and he would like maybe mount tires, but he always made sure the cars looked good. Uh, but I know I won my first race a novice, like my first career race I won uh, barely, but I did. Um I know I was pretty successful pretty early on in the local ranks. Um, we always had pretty good equipment. The first two years, we couldn't really afford nice stuff, but I think my dad's business took off, and then we were able to get bull rider cars and good engines and uh, was able to run three classes for quite a while. So I think running three cars you know, made me get a lot better. And uh, weekly, we probably only could run two because there wasn't enough cars to full, you know, fill a, a light B or a light A class. But... Um, just racing as much as we could, traveling. We always went to all three grands, I think, four or five years in a row, wow. which was hard to do. So uh, we did a lot of national racing and racing against the best. And uh, we had Hanson engines uh, provide engines for us in quarter midgets. So our light Bs were always really, really fast and stuff like that. So um, I think we were always competitive, and we were the first one to have ARS gas shocks. Um, so we were kind of ahead of the curve on some things. So uh, – Definitely had the right equipment, and uh, I think we just had a good team. A lot of kids in, in the New England area end up going pavement racing. A lot of SK Modifieds at Stafford or our Welland Modified Tour. How did you decide to go race Whip City and, and get into micro sprint on dirt? Well, there's the parting of the ways there with the legend car. We ran at Waterford and uh, the micro in, in Massachusetts. And not that I struggled in the legend, but I think – uh, man, that sport is definitely pretty tough. Uh, those cars are supposedly spec cars, but there's people that definitely have uh, different stuff than everybody else, and um, you got to be in with those people. And I just love the the micros and the dirt. I don't know why I, I excelled at it faster, and it was just more fun for me. Um, you know, we were all in on the legends. Really, we had two cars that a sponsor bought for us, and I went and tested. And I think I raced three or four times, maybe five times, and. Uh, just uh, went the dirt route. I really don't know what draw you know drew me there because we raced asphalt my whole life in quarter midgets. So um, it would have made way more sense to race modifieds after. <laughs> but uh, we took the hard route. But I, I don't. Are more fun. I, I don't regret <laughs> anything. And uh, if I go to Stafford and watch SK race, you pretty much gotta you know bump and run to pass them. And uh, I'm happy the way uh, we we went. Yeah, so then you made the step to the URC 360 sprint car. Uh, was there a point in there that you made the decision, or maybe you already knew, like, th this is what I want to do. If I can make this my living, I'm, I'm going to be a, a sprint car driver. Well, that was so tough. Uh, really, in that moment, I think I'm just racing and trying to, you know, win a race or just get to the next level, like not even really think about is it going to be a living or not, just kind of 
run as good as we can. And with URC, we sold our family deal, which we never worked on a sprint car. You know, nobody grew up around sprint cars. So uh, we were still competitive in URC, and, you know, we were able to win a race, and I was the youngest winner of, of that series. So that was cool. And, uh, you know, you never know. We weren't as good as uh, Kurt Michael or, or some of these other guys that were really fast. Uh, Dave Ely, he was a, a mm-hmm. pretty fast guy. And uh, there was a lot of veterans there that, you know, their series is pretty small so they race the same tracks every year and uh, those guys are really good at them so uh it was cool to get a win and then our next step is when we learned uh that it was a lot harder uh going to four tens and going the all-stars that we couldn't do the the family deal anymore now how quickly did you make that jump how long did you run urc so i actually didn't even run a full season of urc um we we're going to go 305 racing in PA, and I was only 15, and we were supposed to have a meeting with the Pennsylvania guy, and he kind of, like, messed us around and ended up never had, having a meeting. So we sold our 305 and got a 360 and um, uh, went URC racing, and uh, we, we think I ran, like, three weeks of micros in the beginning of that year and then decided, you know, we finally got our 360 motor, and then I think we missed – probably four races of the urc schedule and then raced everyone since then and it, it was good it was a lot of fun and uh met a lot of good people and and got the ball rolling so when you stepped up to the all-stars was that still your family team or did you drive for somebody else <clears throat> so we had a guy ray capella with jrc transportation who originally my dad actually did a car for him when uh, the new body style mustang came out in 2005 he bought an Eleanor kit, so they, you know, recreate the Eleanor car and gone in 60 seconds. My dad did that car for him, and uh, he stuck to the price, and it was a good price. And he was nearly in tears because when everybody finds out who he is, he uh, overcharges the guy. And, uh, you know, my dad treated him fairly and right, and he gave us a check for $5,000 and said, this is uh, more where it came from, and it's for your son for racing. And wow. it started from there, and then... He bought us a complete race-ready 600 micro because we started in 270s and bought us a 600 because he asked, how could I get better? So uh, then we had two cars and actually raced, you know, two classes sometimes in the same night, which is tough for micros and tough for a young kid because it's uh, pretty demanding. So um, it started from there. and Then we went to URC, uh, actually ran Lebanon Valley with the Outlaws with our 360 and uh was the fastest non-410 and actually beat a couple 410s. Uh, all the outlaw guys beat us bad, but uh, we actually, you know, kept up decent. And uh, from there on out at that off season, uh, he wanted to step it up, and he became 50-50 owner with my dad. Wow. And uh, he bought a truck and trailer, uh, three cars ass- huh. assembled with two motors, and they showed up assembled in the trailer to Connecticut. Like, oh, my gosh. Re- ready to roll. So... Um, they got hooked up with Kistler somehow. Like he knew nothing about sprint car racing and somehow got hooked up with Brian Kemenon, Kistler's, and they did all that stuff. And, uh, you know, we had a, a, a little toter and a gooseneck trailer. So my dad sold that, sold our 360 stuff, and, uh, you know, kind of used that money uh, combined with all the stuff that he just bought to start uh, DDR Motorsports. And that that's mm-hmm. what the 89G was uh, for my length of 410 racing wow so that's pretty quick i mean you went from quarter midgets to micros to 360s of 410 talk about those transitions i mean that's some major horsepower jumps you're you're taking right there 
Yeah, I'm definitely glad we went the 360 route just because the 305, I feel like, is just such a huge uh, power difference over yeah. the 410. Um, just getting started with a sprint car, you don't, like, now they they feel not small but not large. But when you go from a micro to a yeah. sprint car, just a huge race car in comparison. And just knowing your surroundings with the sprint car and uh, having power steering and learning you got to move the wing to be good and uh, just... A big transition there. Uh, I think the power, I don't know, I could have been out of control sometimes when I first started. <laughs> I don't really know. I just was trying to go as fast as I could. So I'm not really sure uh, how fast it took me to adapt, but I think it was under 10 races uh, when I won uh, my URC race. So we adapted fairly fast. Absolutely. So talk about the first year with the All-Stars. I mean, the, the jump to URC was big, but... <laughs> You know, you didn't just go 410 racing. You went with one of the top series in the country. You've got people like the Kemenaws and um, Blaney's that have been around for years, tons of success. Uh, talk about, as it, you were still fairly young, how old were you when you? I was, uh, I think, 17, <laughs> probably 16 or 17 <laughs> at the time. So what was, what was that like? What, were the, what was the first half of that first season with the All-Stars like? It was an uh, eye-opener for sure. <laughs> we showed up to Volusia, and you know how Volusia could be. People could blow up motors all the time, and that was us. Uh, we blew up at least one motor and uh we learned right after florida was like man we need to hire somebody because it's definitely over uh, over our heads here a little bit and we struggled a lot our first year really bad just because we one weren't prepared didn't know what to expect and uh you know we hired uh becca anderson's uh dad actually mm-hmm. to help us out in the beginning and uh he was pretty decent you know better than what we had not where we needed to be but uh we got competitive at the end of the year. Actually, uh, we were leading an all-star show at Terre Haute, and uh, I blew an engine, stopped on the track, and then I got hit hit full speed in the back, and I broke my back that year. So cool. um, that was the end of the season uh, for the all-stars, but I missed, like, uh, world finals, national open that year, uh, all because I broke my back. So it kind of happened at a good time, uh, you know, in the season, uh, but... Uh, that was tough too, but at the end of the year, we were starting to get our stuff together, and uh, you know, then that happened. Talk a little bit more more about that injury. Not so much how it happened, but you're young, you're out there racing with these guys, and you get a, that, that's a serious injury, and you're only what 17 years old. Talk about what it was like to go through the recovery um, to keep your mind straight about racing the the whole you know the whole injury really. Yeah, for sure, it kind of makes you question. You know, my mom asked, "You sure you want to do this?" and to me, I never honestly really thought about it. It was just like I was, a, I expected myself to race again. You know what I yeah. mean? I never like doubted. Uh, you know, I'm not going to do this. So, um, it was definitely tough, man. A lot of pain. Uh, got the wind knocked out. Yeah, you couldn't breathe for, I couldn't breathe correct for at least an hour or two. Like it was just irregular breathing. Because when you get an impact like that, and like I guess your body kind of goes into shock, and like you just lose your breath. You just get the wind knocked out of you, and. Uh, it was tough. Uh, my parents weren't there, so obviously they were freaking out, um, kind of with a bunch of people that I just kind of met a couple months ago, and, uh, you know, they're at the hospital with me, and luckily I didn't need surgery. I just needed to wear a back brace, but I wore a back brace for like four months in high school, so that was uh, that was a task in itself there, and uh, 
Uh, it, it was not terrible, uh, very painful in the morning, but luckily, like I said, it happened when it did and was able to heal up and, and get ready in the off season for the next year. Wow. So you mentioned you were still in high school. How did you manage that? I mean, running with the All-Stars, they race, they start in February and run till November or end October. How did you manage finishing high school and, and getting all that, balancing that? Well, somehow I passed. Um, <laughs> not really sure how. But being in Connecticut uh, is a terrible place uh, to race out of. <laughs> um, if I was from Pennsylvania or Ohio, Ohio would probably be the ideal place for the All-Stars. But, man, uh I left school, I don't know, in the summer probably, or not in the summer, but obviously spring. Every every Friday I left early um, for sure, and I probably missed a good amount of school. But like I said, somehow I passed. It was a private school uh, with a dress code, and uh, my parents had to pay for it. So, like, it wasn't a you know just a pushover place. So luckily I was able to get through it. But uh, I missed out on everything in high school. You know, you sacrifice all those things. So didn't really have too too much of a social life. Uh, you know, early on in high school, just because just so busy racing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that happens to a lot of racers. So you ran with the All Stars for a few years, won a, a few races. Um, talk about the transition from going the, the newbie uh, on the tour to you know running up front and running wheel to wheel with those guys. Uh, well, our turning point was hiring Rob Hart. He was uh, like our first like legit crew chief we hired, and um, we had Mopar engines because that's all we could afford. Uh, they were pretty cheap to purchase at the time because you know Mopar wasn't involved in sprint car racing anymore. And I know you guys ran Mopar stuff, and you know Casey Kane had them from several mm-hmm. years. And uh, after kind of they stopped and uh, TSR stopped, you know we uh, we kind of got their leftovers. So. Um, he got our stuff running well, got our shock package uh, way better, just got us in the ball game, and we were competitive. And I think I started 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. And 2010 is where we kind of broke through, and we won Ohio Speed Week, and uh, we won our first race during Ohio Speed Week. So that was kind of like our turning point. We were always competitive and could qualify good, but never could get that win. But Dale Blaney and Tim Schaefer, uh, you know, Schaefer was in the 83 car, and, and Blaney was with George Fisher. So those guys kicked our butts. I don't know if anybody else won an all-star race that year. I feel like <laughs> both of them yeah. took all the races. So um, it was not easy to win a race then. And how was your confidence through all that? Um, you seem like you've always been pretty confident in your driving, but when you first go out on, on the road like that and those guys are beating you up night in and night out, it's not easy to, to stay confident and know that someday you're going to get there. Well, the thing is, we were so green, and, like, you always expect to win, you know, at every level of, of racing I've won at. So, you know, you expect to win, but we knew what we were going against was pretty stout, and uh, we were patient, you know. Uh, we probably would like to get a win earlier than we did, but, uh, again, we didn't go local racing. Like, if yeah. we probably would have maybe been a little bit smarter because our first year was a, a pretty big struggle, but... Um, I guess you got to learn the hard way, and that's what we did. And uh, Dale Dale Blaney helped me out a lot. I definitely raced alongside him quite a bit, and kind of learn off him. And Schaefer was really good. We were really tight with Brian Kemenaw at the time, uh, coming up through there. So we spent a lot of time with Brian, and kind of ran J and J cars like they did, and mm-hmm. uh, ran Pro Shocks, and uh, just kind of got going. But it was tough, but. We didn't have that high of expectations because we knew it was like, you know, 
legit competition and yeah. uh, the best of the best. So how did the transition then come to the world of outlaws and getting in Barry Jackson and getting into the five car that you're in now? It's definitely a crazy road. Uh, they told me I had four years with our team. That was my college. So uh, Ray and my dad said, you know, after the fourth year, we're done. So Wow. Um, after that fourth year, uh, we kind of closed up shop, sold uh, most of our stuff, not everything. And and you knew that going into it that you had like a four-year window? Yeah, so it was Tyler Swang was my crew chief. Well, here, I'll, I'll give you the play-by-play. 2010, <laughs> Rob Hart came along. We yep. ran well. I think it was 2011 or 12. I forget what year. I think 2011, I was rookie of the Nationals. I believe at that Nationals, Rob Hart quit. Tyler Swank came along, and he was our crew chief from 2000, late 2011 to 2013 was our last year. So um, we raced the All-Stars with Tyler 2012 and uh, did a full All-Star schedule with, like, 30 outlaw shows. Then t- 2013, uh, we entered the season. We were just going to do, like, an outlaw-style schedule, not stick to any series. So I went to Volusia. And I uh, went down there and raced. Uh, Bill Rose blew a tire, broke his arm. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray contacted Bill to kind of put a deal together for me to drive the car while he was out being injured. And that got the ball rolling with me with the All-Stars. Never been on the West Coast. Um, so I was able to go out there with Bill and uh, brought Tyler as my crew chief. And I uh, had some solid runs, had some top fives out there, uh, had some really good runs. And uh Ran that for quite a while. I think when we got back to Eldora was my last race in Bill's car. And then uh, we swapped over back into the DDR car. But we put the six on it to look like Bill Rose's car for owner's points for him. Okay. So it was really uh, our our team just carrying the flag of Bill on just all plain black with the six. And uh, did that. And uh, so then we decided since we did every outlaw or race then we didn't do the outlaws before because of california all the traveling added expense so um since we got that out of the way uh we plan on doing the rest of the outlaw races and commit to you know being a full-time guy so we did that uh right before the nationals we won uh fergus falls minnesota i won uh it wasn't our first outlaw i guess i should have told you my first outlaw win (laughs) but uh we won an outlaw show that year and uh, where was the first outlaw the win. first outlaw win yeah i don't know why i skipped that but uh it's kind of a big deal yeah it was <laughs> 2012 it was late late in the year at talladega short track it was the 89g it was that. uh tyler swang kyle ripper and i and uh we beat uh we passed donnie shots we passed steve kinzer and we passed jason myers who i think jason myers had like a five win streak going wow. on and uh drove past them it was the first night in a sprint car that I've ever had a perfect handling car. It legit drove itself that night. So uh, that was awesome to get it done. Uh, J&J was there, uh, so Jack and Bonnie were really excited. And obviously, we kind of shocked the world. I didn't think I had one all-star win to that to that point. So uh, for to win an outlaw show was awesome there. So the next year is when the Bill Rose thing ha- happened. And, uh, you know, we won, we won there and... Uh, at the Nationals, we won our prelim night and uh, was able to, uh, you know, win a prelim night at Knoxville. 
and right after Knoxville, uh, I actually got sick and got diagnosed with mono. So then I missed like two months because like I was really worn. Like I must have been worn at the nationals, but once the feature was over, like I was like dead the next day, and uh, that hit me pretty hard. Some people hits hard, some people not as much. So. I was out for like two or three months, missed the second West Coast swing, and then picked up the Outlaws from there and still was able to be, get rookie of the year of the Outlaws because I was legit sick and uh, raced every race I could. So finished that year under the six car at, at uh, Charlotte. Like Tyler knew we were closing the team. Everybody kind of knew. So everybody knew it was like our last hurrah. Tyler was going to the 29 with Carey. And uh, we didn't, we weren't sure what we were going to do, uh, trying to find a ride, but it was kind of hard. You know, I won a couple races, but I wasn't proving that that much. So yeah. um, that year I was able to uh, go to the Trophy Cup at the end of the year and drove for Rod Tyner mm-hmm. and was successful there. Uh, Should have won the first prelim night, but the motor was blown up and uh, Tim Kading just edged me out by like, a centimeter um but uh, it was photo finish some some pictures look like i won some look like he won ah, but transponders got him that one so um was able to run good at trophy cup uh the following season we end up teaming up with phoenix racing uh the 59 car and which you know i'm sure so yeah. and uh we gave him some equipment we gave him some wings gave him some rear ends that we had left over and um uh, they had two engines, and they didn't really run that well. And we had a guy, Frank Manafort, uh, buy us a 410 engine that we were supposed to use with that team. So we started the year off in Florida, went to Texas, um, raced in Texas, and was able to put a deal together with Rod Tyner to race the West Coast races with that engine that Frank Manafort bought me. And, uh, you know, he had the smallest trailer in the pits. He, he's obviously a really smart guy with cars and has a really nice car. Um, but we only had one and on one motor and raced a full West Coast swing out there and uh, won a race at Merced, a new track record that night. And uh, had a Was car- that the Outlaw race? or Yes, that's okay. Outlaw show. So it was Trophy Cup the year before. Now this yep. is the following year. West Coast Swing made a deal with Rod and was able to get a couple top fives and win an outlaw show there and, um, you know, was able to race in front of Dennis Roth and that kind of got me mm-hmm. um, just in the West Coast crowd. You know, Dennis is probably the only guy that runs an outlaw team out there, but just was able to be in a new audience in front of new people and, and win, a, win an outlaw show with, like I said, the smallest rig in the pits. And, That's uh, awesome. you know, it, it was definitely really satisfying and, so then we supposed to go to Devil's Bowl uh, after that with uh, the Outlaws, and uh, Tim Kading ends up getting fired and opens up the door with that. And uh, Todd from, uh, you know, yeah. uh, Roth Motorsports yep. gives me a call, and uh, it was a tough decision uh, for me because I felt bad for leaving Tom. Like, we had a whole plan together and all that, but it was like that one break, one opportunity we've been waiting for. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I was getting paid uh, at the 59 car, but this would be, like, my first huge, like, hired hired ride. And um was definitely nervous. You heard about Dennis Roth and how many drivers he's had and hiring and firing people all the time. But um, I talked to all the people I trusted. I talked to Rob Hart, talked to Tyler Swank. I was like, man, you got to take that opportunity. Yeah. And uh, our first weekend uh, was Eldora. And... Uh, 
started at mid-pack, and I think we were in the, got to the top five, and my throttle linkage fell off, so that was a bummer. But uh, the following night at Eldora, we won. So uh, that was pretty cool to win that early uh, with them. And then the following weekend, I actually won at Wilmot. Wow. Uh, so we won our first two of four races uh, with Dennis. And I don't even know if that's a good thing because we made him have extremely high expectations. <laughs> set uh, the bar high. Yeah, I just set it really high. You know, it's hard for anybody at any time to win two out of four on the Outlaw Tour. So we did that. Uh, raced the rest of the season with uh, Dennis and actually had a couple different crew chiefs in the middle of all that. And where else did we win? I think we won Lebanon Valley, and we ended up winning the National Open uh, that year at Williams Grove. Uh, It was an awesome win for us, but there was a lot of controversy. Got into Stevie Smith, not on purpose. So didn't get to enjoy that win uh, like I probably should have. Um, but you don't want to win that way, but it was nothing intentional. So uh, to win a national open, you know, there's lots of outlaw drivers that have never won a race at Williams Grove. So yeah. it was cool to get a win there and win one of the crown jewels um, and, again, raise the bar really high for Dennis. Um, <laughs> but that was actually the one race he's never won. He's won the Knoxville Nationals oh, wow. with Daniel Sosky, I believe. He's won the Kings Royal probably with multiple people. Uh, and he's won the Gold Cup, I'm sure, several times. But he never won the National Open. So it was cool to get that win for him. So he got to win all the big ones. Um, next season, we went in like gung-ho, like we're going to be uh, you know, a contender with Roth. And uh, changed a couple things, changed a couple crew guys. And just didn't have the, the speed uh, the next season for whatever reason. And kind of struggled. Uh we got through the West Coast swing barely and uh, got the Devil's Bowl and got the phone call that uh, they were making another move. So uh, at that time, for whatever reason, Craig Delansky got fired from the seven car at the same exact time. So from there, uh, we just pretty much swapped rides. Uh, Delansky got in the car and I got in the seven car and, uh, you know, seven car was struggling and uh we had a couple different crew chiefs throughout the year with the seven car and kind of struggled all year. Um, was in contention to win some races, but for whatever reason, we could put ourselves in position, but then throw the anchor out in the A main and just go backwards. So that was frustrating. And, uh, you know, just kept in touch with people. I always talked to Barry Jackson, and I know him and, you know, Paul were starting to, you know, you know, start to butt heads a little bit. And, uh, you know, was able to get through that season, run the whole year. I know lots of people, like, I don't know if it's ever been done. It probably has. But I ran the whole schedule running two different cars, um, which was hard to do. But luckily I was still running for points and got point fund money and all that stuff. So that was a positive for that year. Uh, but at the end of that season, I talked to Barry and uh, ended up talking to Chad at uh, World Finals. And, uh, you know, they said, hey, we want to want to try it out. And, uh you know, was able to get with CJB, and that would be, this is 18, so it would be 16 in 2016. And uh, pretty much, again, swap rides. Paul McMahon went to the 7, I went to the 51, and they turned into the 5. And, uh, and then we started the following season with Sammy Swindell as my crew chief, or uh, teammate. Uh, Barry mm-hmm. Jackson was kind of crew chiefing on both cars. Um, had a guy quit right before Volusia, so we were really short-staffed. We had, I think, three crew guys for two teams. Oh, wow. Uh, so it was not good in the beginning. Um, you know, they had 
big plans to have two full big teams and uh, just did not work out how it was planned. Uh, just hard to find really good help, and we only had one Barry Jackson. We really needed two. So uh, had some had some decent runs. Um, our first win, I believe, was at Tulare. Um, Barry started off being Sammy's crew chief and then learned that, you know, one, he's got to learn me, uh, and we're running the full outlaw schedule, and Sammy wasn't, so we were running for points. So we had to get our act together, so Barry came on our team full-time and was able to win at Tulare uh, fairly early in the season, and I think we had nine wins uh, on the wow. year, which uh, was great for our first season. Uh, the year, uh, two years previous, I won five races, I won four with Roth and then one in Ron Tyner's car. So I went from five wins to zero wins and then to, to nine wins uh, the following season. So it was good success to finish third in points, uh, career high, obviously, by far. I think before it was like seventh or eighth in points. So a big jump there uh, just shows uh, being on a, a good team. Not that Roth wasn't a good team, but I never did a full season with them. Um, so just being with a good team, and that was my first season ever. I've started the World of Outlaws schedule with the same team <laughs> and run every single race and finished with the same team. Before, it was either I got sick, I was in multiple cars. Um, so this was the first time I actually had a legit shot and uh, was able to win some races and finish good in points. And uh, then, you know, we were real excited for the following season last year and, you know, was able to kind of pick up where we left off and, be really good down in Florida and just carry that on and uh you know was able to win 18 races uh which is which is insane uh you know I don't even know the amount of people have won over 10 races in a world of season but it's pretty small um and uh it was pretty cool to do that and to win a national open uh again uh fair and square and uh Chad and Barry you know Barry's been racing a long time in PA and he was never able to win a national open, so that was a, a huge win for him, huge win for Chad. And, uh, you know, we won a lot of big races over the past couple of years, uh, the Brad Doty Classic and the Silver Cup at Lernerville. So uh, we've won some cool stuff. Uh, you don't realize, you know, uh, winning 18 races is just all a blur. Um, you just keep racing and racing and racing, and if you win one, you want to win another. So, uh, you know, it's never enough, and you always want to win more. So... Uh, we're we're on to this year and it's going fairly well and can't complain. Um, have three wins and lately we've been running pretty good. So looking forward to the future. Absolutely. Um, through that time, you talked a lot about different crew chiefs and crew guys. Um, talk about how important that is. You know, people watching from the stands just see the team and see you maybe you know struggling through times. But talk about how important that is when you're on the road and, and not clicking with your crew chief or, or swapping out new crew chiefs and having to learn new people. Like, talk about that that part of the racing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Rob Hart, I was young, and I just kind of drove the car, and he kind of did what he did and I wasn't really involved in kind of what was in the car or anything and um Tyler Swank uh you know we worked uh, really well together and I started to learn a lot more of about you know what was in the race car to go fast and let's see I had, I had Bonsai uh, at the 59 car so uh he was a very laid-back guy I was like involved in everything like uh I knew what it was in the car and all that and then uh, with Sonny Kratzer was our crew chief with uh, Dennis Roth and uh, to start off with. And uh, he was pretty open, too. I kind of knew what was in the car and uh, had success. And then they fired Sonny and then brought uh, Troy Welty along. 
and I had Troy for a little while. And then after that season, uh, he went to NASCAR, and uh, we actually had Sonny again uh, the following season. So I had Sonny a couple times. And then, uh, you know, Barry, he's uh, – it. I, not that it took a while, but definitely uh, our age difference uh, made it a little tough, I think, a respect thing. It took me a little while to maybe gain his respect just because of that huge age gap and kind of how new I was. But um, I think now we see pretty eye to eye and it's going really well and I think it's growing and growing and I'm sure I feel like that's how Ricky and Donnie probably were also. Yeah. Last year you had 18 wins, incredible, but you were so strong at the Knoxville Nationals, led a, a bunch of laps and before you, you had a mechanical failure. Uh, talk about how awesome it was to lead laps to the Nationals and how much of a heartbreak that was. That was a dream week, you know, to have the perfect night and sweep our prelim night. It hadn't been done since 1992, the year I was born. So it was, like, really, really cool. Uh, I was, like, you know, a small celebrity uh, that night. It was just cool to go to Dingus. And it was just, like, bring my parents. My parents never really been uh, to Dingus. And uh, it was just, like, uh, a really high point in your life. You know, it was just a lot of fun. My uncle was there who doesn't really come to the race as much. So, it was like uh, a dream night, and it was really a dream week till like lap 24 or whatever it was in the A-Main. And I don't know if I would have won the race, but I could guarantee you I was going to be on that podium no matter what. Um, I think we had a good shot to win that race, but I think, you know, worst-case scenario, we're running second or third in that race. So, um, And that would have been an awesome feat in itself no matter what happened. Um, but uh, we fought off Donnie once and was able to regain the lead, and then he wasn't really close to us uh, when we blew up. And... It was just a crankshaft that broke. It wasn't anything our engine builder did. Uh, it was just a, a strictly a part failure. So that was uh, pretty depressing. But uh, yeah. everybody, still now, every racetrack I go to, people say something about it and uh, trying to put it behind us. Yeah, well, we got to wrap things up. But real quick, um, where do you see yourself in five years? Any aspirations to go NASCAR racing, or is this where, where you're at? Man, I'm just along for the ride. You know, uh, had somebody do an interview with me about wanting to go to NASCAR and I just want to go wherever racing takes me I have a passion to race for a living and I don't really care what kind of car it is um it could be a F1 car would be a dream come true but NASCAR was the first form of racing that I've watched like I grew up going to NASCAR races because there's no dirt racing in Connecticut so um I would love to go to NASCAR you know World of Outlaw Spring Car Racing is awesome and it's great um and Steve Kinzer, Donnie Schatz, all these guys that did it for so long, I give them a lot of props because there's a lot of sacrifices. It's a lot of racing. It's tough on your body, tough on your family. So uh, for longevity, for me, I would like to go to NASCAR to have somewhat more of a normal life, be home every week, have a little bit better of a family life. So I'm just along for the ride. If somebody gives me an opportunity, I'm going to take it. So uh, we'll see if my phone rings or not. Awesome. Well, it's been a heck of a ride so far, and we wish you continued success. So thank you very much, David. Thank you guys for having me. Curated by Kohl's latest collection is now available in select stores and at Kohl's.com. For a limited time, shop unexpected new favorites like reusable drinkware from Corksicle and fun arts and crafts from UV. Warmies heatable plush toys are perfect for little ones. Homesick handcrafted candles are a great gift to make anyone feel at home. And who doesn't love sweet treats from Candy Club? Shop curated by Kohl's for these digital need-to-know brands and more. Tap the banner now or visit Kohl's.com. 
Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. 